This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. going on and right now i'm talking with john O'Garrison from uh O'Garrison. yep from ophidi and i uh they have a new album called desolate out now on season of mist uh you're in san diego and the rest of your band is in iceland right now that's exactly right and that's how it's been the whole time and how it will continue to be we're remotely collaborating so uh yeah i guess give me a little um backstory on how that happened um uh, how, how you met up with the band and um I, i'm assuming probably via the internet absolutely as as most things are done these days it was via the internet and um uh, we actually go way way back um That's to the time of their uh their debut album which was called solvet saclum and it was uh released i think in 2012 um when when they were uh, on their release cycle for that album, I was in another band that was also had just been signed to Unique Leader Records and was putting out an album kind of concurrently. Mm-hmm. And uh, Simon, our guitarist, uh, noticed my uh, primarily noticed my name, uh, having an Icelandic surname, yeah. which is pretty rare to see outside of Iceland. He thought I must be some kind of like expat or something. So he reached out to me to do some cross promotion with their album and, and ours that was coming out at the time, and uh, a fast friendship uh, came of it. And we've we've we never really lost touch from that time. And so when Desolate was at the stage where they had recorded all of the uh, instrumental tracks but didn't have a vocalist, uh, he tapped me and said, "Hey man, step up and do a vocal demo and see, let's see what you got." And the rest is history. That's killer, man. And, and and is this the only band you're doing now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. I think I'm the only member of the band that isn't in another band as well. Everyone else has multiple other projects going. They're all very prolific. Okay. So you tried out via um, vocal uh, or vocal a tryout. And then um, 
I got to ask because I have a friend who's in several bands over in he's in Seattle and Mm -hmm. they're over in Europe and he's never met the people. Have you (laughs) actually played with them live? Have you met them before? So we haven't. I've I've met them a ton. Uh, um, I I visited Iceland several times oh, cool. in the years leading up to when I joined the band. And actually, Simon, the guy who got me to do the the vocal tryout, was he came out here to to my wedding, and so we're oh. like long standing friends and have visited each other back and forth. I haven't jammed this material with them formally. Um, I did go out there. Uh, I mean, you know, over. Uh, digitally we have but uh yeah. not in not in person in like a rehearsal space and i i was there and watched them play through a few of the songs uh when i i went out in february of 2020 to do some press stuff and record some videos and uh was lucky to be able to watch them jam then but i wasn't uh quite up to shape for performing at the time so um not yet but it'll happen you know it's bound yeah. to happen if we're going to take it on the road we got to get together Absolutely, man. So, so you're down in San Diego. Is this where you primarily grew up? Yes, I was born and raised in San Diego. Cool, I've man. Been so, here all uh, that time. Yeah, tell me a little bit about like growing up in that area. Were you? Did you get into like the local metal, hardcore, punk underground scene? Absolutely. In fact, uh, in high school, I was like principally uh, a crusty punk kid. That was my okay. jam, uh, and I was very frequently found at punk shows throughout high school and, uh, and afterwards. And it was kind of, uh, and a lot of my biggest inspirations in terms of vocals were found locally as well. Travis Ryan from Cattle Cat being yeah. one of the big ones that is, I think most extreme metal vocalists, uh, point to him as a big influence, or at least, uh, someone that they kind of look up to. And so I, I followed cattle since, you know, their, their first EPs and, and I've been a huge fan ever since, and they can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, but to sum it up, definitely it was, I've been around going to punk shows and metal shows since I was a, a little idiot and now I'm a big idiot doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, my friend raw, he played in cattle for a while, um, awesome. played bass in cattle and he lives up here in Seattle. So I always talk to him about some bands and he's always telling me about how there was a really, really cool, like hardcore scene down in San Diego, as well as, you know, like a lot of met cool, cool metal bands down there. So, yeah, I mean, especially when I was in high school, I feel like the punk scene was really flourishing. There was, there were multiple shows throughout the week and on the weekends, you were always, it was always kind of a struggle to decide which show you were going to go to on Mm -hmm. like a Friday night. Uh, Most nights there, there were competing bills and uh, yeah, it was, it was very, uh, verdant at that time i would say um uh through the years it's kind of waxed and waned but uh uh, san diego has a very strong underground music scene i feel uh it's kind of like got a chip on its shoulder because you know it's all the people who didn't want to end up in la Mm -hmm. and so they're they're here for a very specific reason and it 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 just it's i mean you've got like the locust another legacy band from san diego that are that i am in love with and yeah um for extreme metal there's like pathology and uh oh. condemned and a lot there's just it runs the gamut and uh just a lot of talented folks hanging out here nice man so um as far as the pandemic goes um how do you think uh san diego is gonna gonna fare as far as the local music scene coming out of it do you think it's gonna still be healthy has there been any effect as far as like club shutting down or anything like that or is it still too early to see 
So we're actually kind of watching it unfold in the past couple of weeks. Uh, the okay. fir- uh, uh, so the main metal venue here is a little dive bar called Brick by Brick, and they mm-hmm. I think had have had their first show this past Saturday or one of their first couple shows since lockdown. And, uh, you know, and everyone's kind of different venues are playing it uh, to varying degrees of, of safeness. You know, some require proof of vaccine or a negative test. Uh, All of them require masks that I know of, um, which I think, you know, you gotta be safe. If we want this, if we want to see a full recovery from the devastating effects of COVID, we have to be extremely cautious. And so I support whatever measure of safety anyone would, Mm -hmm. would enforce on, on these types of events. And so, uh, uh, it's happening now and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. And I'm very hopeful, you know, I'm optimistic. I think that everyone at the end of the day knows, uh, that they just have to do it right. If we're going to get back to full form. So let's see. It's interesting seeing, um, you know, leading uh, concert, um, you know, promotions like AEG, Live Nations, two of the biggest in the United States, uh, taking uh, steps to help uh, curb the spread of the 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 coronavirus, even times more than local governments have. Absolutely. <laughs> it's I like mean, we're le- it's like the the concert promoters and the and the and the uh, show you know staff are are leading the way in in ways that we can help prevent. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, the entertainment industry in a lot of ways more than any other industry. I feel, aside from maybe hospitality or food service, have just been they're like completely decimated by the effects of it. And so, I I would expect them to be at the forefront of uh, of you know proactive measures to get things back to normal. Because if you don't have live music, like what is there? You know, you can it's you can subsist on digital content for only so long. I think we got to get back to playing in front of people. That's the, that's the soul of the industry. And, you know, if you're listening to this and, and, you know, you feel a certain other way or whatever, like I I get it. I'm not, you know, not to put any like, you know, hard politics into this or whatever, but if it means, you know, being able to see our, our friends bands and, and having our friends that work at venues be able to, you know, keep their livelihood and their jobs, put on a mask, you know, at the, the least you can do, you know? So. Second that. Um, all right, man. Well, so did you guys record this album during the pandemic? Uh, it was recorded in bits and pieces uh, throughout the three or four years leading up to the pandemic. Okay. So I um, actually, I was the last one to track. And so all the instrumentals were tracked probably midway through 2019. Mm-hmm. And I had it. Uh, through the fall of 2019 and, and recorded my uh, my vocal takes. And then pretty much by the start of 2020, the album was in the can, ready to be mixed and mastered. So it didn't affect the recording process all that much. What it did affect was our rollout and, you know, our, our planned release cycle got delayed quite a bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we got pretty lucky with how it lined up. You're like, all right, we're going to release the album. 2020 is going to be our biggest year. We're going to tour the world. Oh, never mind. Psych. Yeah, it was uh, it was brutal. But uh, um, I mean, better late than never. It came out. What was it exactly a month ago today, July yep. 16th? And um, and the reception has been it, it's far exceeding anything we could have expected. And so we, we're very happy. And it's just getting us more and more amped for when we can take it on the road. Uh, how did you guys, um, I mean, I'm assuming they probably uh, 
worked out a deal with Seasons of Mist before, you know, you joined the band, but uh, what's that um, been like? Uh, and how did they, uh, how did they start working with Season of Mist? So it's been fantastic. Uh, and it actually did happen after I joined. Uh, they oh, didn't cool. have any label prospects before, uh, before the album was basically ready to deliver. And the reason for that was kind of calculated because they wanted to put together a lot of, um, a lot of digital content, given that the new narrative was that you can't play live and you have to provide a lot of content, front load a lot of content to keep people engaged yep. uh, during the first part of the release cycle when we aren't going to be able to play live. So they put a lot of energy into uh, during the pandemic, creating you know teaser videos, playthroughs, um, and we had uh, we had three music videos lined up, and all that was in a press kit that we then shopped out to a bunch of different labels. And so we wanted to come at these labels with full force, show them that we were very serious about uh, making sure that this release met the highest standard possible. And that, uh, you know, we just wanted to put forth our passion and show them that we're looking for a, a real home for this, this piece of work that we've been, you know, slaving over for the last uh, handful of years. And, and yeah, so the uh, how it uh, the nuts and bolts of it was that uh, in the meantime, uh, to occupy themselves, Simon and Ragnar, our guitarist, one of our guitarists and our drummer, have a uh, a black metal project called Hellfro. They wrote and released an album and got it signed to Season the Mist in the year leading up to Desolate. Oh, cool! And and so just for something to do while yeah. they were waiting for the album to be done. Okay. And so that kind of established the relationship with Season the Mist, and um, uh, it was kind of a we did shop it around to multiple labels, but at the end of the day, we it was kind of a shoe in, and and we already had that relationship, and they were excited about, uh, you know, Desolate and and Ophidi and I in general, and what it what it represented. And so it was kind of uh, buttoned up relatively quickly after we started shopping. I just got to say, just for the two bands that, you know, we've mentioned you, you, you playing and you've had experience with two of the, you know, coolest underground labels, unique leader and now seasons of miss. So that's, that's something cool. It's it's yeah. It's a nice little feather in the cap. And I like to, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've been, I enjoyed my time with UL. I, I was fortunate enough to have some, uh, you know, minimal communications with Eric before he passed. And uh, that was like, you know, talk about meeting your idols and then having him deliver your music to the world is yeah. like, holy crap. It was, it was fantastic. And so I really enjoyed that. And Season of Mist for their part has been incredible. Uh, their support has just been completely unyielding. They're, uh, and they know what, you know, they know what they're doing. They're, uh, they're not one of like the, like the triple a tier labels but they hold their own and their yep. their roster is just in, indisputably sick it's it's been fantastic we love it it's the perfect home for us i think and if you're just listening and you're like eric who well eric from deeds of flesh uh ran unique leader and uh, he also passed away just a couple of years back so that's what he was uh he was mentioning so right um, and Rest in power was he the one who signed the band yeah he was uh, so we somehow got uh, a hold of his direct email address okay just send him an email one day and uh it maybe like a couple days later he got back to us and said yeah this sounds like a mix of uh 
at the time, two bands on their roster were Rings of Saturn and Halo of Gunfire. And he's like, yep, okay, uh, I'll send you guys a contract. You can look over it. And um, that was it. <laughs> it was very straightforward. He, he was he was down. So that's one thing about Unique Leader is uh, if you get a Unique Leader album, chances are it's probably going to be brutal. It's probably going to be technical and it's probably going to be pretty sick. Yep. <laughs> they deliver on that routinely. Haven't disappointed yet. Absolutely, man. So, um, all right. Now I'm uh, curious about uh, as far as like doing vocals and like you, you said that um, Travis Ryan from Cattle Decapitation was a big influence for you. Um, what what other influences uh, do you have on, on like your vocal style and whatnot? Um, you kind of like modeled, your, not modeled yourself after, but like you know, growing up, like what did you look to as inspiration? Uh, absolutely. So I, like I mentioned, I started off in the punk scene and my oh, first, yeah, yeah. first band that I, I played in was a punk band, like a really crappy, like, uh, like garage punk bands. And yeah. so that, uh, right off the bat was how I kind of got immersed in, I was the vocalist, uh, as you may have guessed. And that's how I kind of got plunged into the world of, uh, I say extreme vocals, but screaming at the bare minimum, like a, like a mid screamed vocal. And, uh, because I can't sing. And so it was like my, my one way in to my, all my friends who were like picking up the guitars and the drums and like getting super sick at musically. I was like, well, I can, I can scream into a mic. Let's do this. And, um, and so I did that for a number of years, but, um, I, I came across a couple pivotal milestones in my music listening that kind of drove me into listening to heavier music and death metal specifically and a few bands that caught me early on and that i think i carry with me as my principal inspiration for my vocal style um or and and or my uh presence as like a front man mm-hmm. um number one Glenn Benton from Deicide nice. was the probably the first death metal song I ever heard was Bible Basher. And uh-huh. I, I've never gotten over how um, just how ferocious and pissed off he sounds all the time. And that's something that I always really valued about his vocal style. You can tell that he's delivering his lyrics with a, an intense amount of ferocity and, and, what sounds like anger. I don't know if he's actually angry up there, but he certainly sells it like he is. And that, that kind of has always stuck in my mind as like a pivotal, um, a component of, of metal vocals. And then after that, um, that kind of like got filed away in the old brain cave. And then yeah. I went through a period where I was obsessed with gore. I've, I've seen okay. gore like maybe a dozen, maybe 18 times over a course of maybe two or three years when I was like around high school age and Dave Brocky was the vocalist at the time. Also rest in peace. Um, uh, Odorous Yerungus, um, his, just his uh, performative presence really, uh, really struck me a lot. And it was where he all, he never took himself too seriously. Mm-hmm. He was obviously playing a character and the character is kind of like comedic. And, uh, and I, I, that resonated with me. Uh, equally as much as Glenn Benton on the other side of the spectrum, who was totally all serious all the time, or at yeah. least appeared to be. I liked the idea of finding some middle ground between those two ends of the spectrum. And then um, uh, let's see who else uh, I saw uh, t- tying into Guar. The first time I ever saw the red cord was opening for Guar. Nice guy. Kozowick, uh was another just like very 
brutal, raw, like hardcore, low mid growl. Yep. And uh, just like very iconic uh, to me anyway. And, and really that, if I had to say that there was a vocalist that I tried to model my style on early, it was a guy Kozowick. And then, um, and of course, uh, throughout that whole period, I, I was attending cattle shows and watching yep. Travis Ryan's early antics on stage, you know, hawking loogies up into the air and then snorting them. And, oh, and, classy, and, classy. Absolutely. Pure <laughs> class. And, um, and that just like being a gross punk kid, like that, that resonated with me pretty strongly. And those, I, I would quote those four dudes probably as like my, uh, my bedrock in terms of vocal, uh, vocal stylings and, um, and stage presence. That's nice. the, my, my building blocks. It's a nice, uh, solid base there. I like it. Yeah. Um, sorry for the long-winded answer. <laughs> oh, dude, I asked, man, that's, that's what I'm asking. So. Um, as far as like you keeping your voice up and stuff, is there anything that you do to like before a show or before a vocal, um, you know, recording session, do you, you know, gargle with, uh, you know, some tea or so you drink some honey tea or you just go in. Some people are just like, nah, I don't do anything. I just smoke cigs and just go in, man. <laughs> just go in raw. Yeah. I mean, uh, tea helps tea. Uh, I don't do it as a warm up, but if I'm, if I'm going to be, uh, like for tracking sessions, if I'm going to be doing vocals, lots of vocal takes over a protracted period of time, the tea helps, uh, keep, uh, your, so the, the vestibular folds, the false cords, they start to, they don't, it doesn't hurt per se, but they start to gum up a little bit after mm -hmm. a while tea helps prevent that. Uh, and warming up is absolutely crucial. I have a little bit of like a warm up routine that I'll go through for maybe 30 minutes before I really dive into it. And that's just, you know, like humming or kind of like a, a low volume growl or just kind of like uh, gurgling or making weird noises and just, <laughs> you know, keeping it, uh, getting it loose. That's really important. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. I don't, I should probably put more effort into uh, maintaining it. And actually that's been kind of like a, an, an, an ongoing process of mine is trying to optimize for endurance and making sure you, cause I've been on tour and, and, and really messed my voice up. And that's not a position you want to be in halfway through a tour. Cause then you're going to sound like ass for the rest of the dates or whatever. And, uh, and it just, that makes it not fun. So I'm going to assume that, you know, not all of our friends are metal friends, right? So you probably have some like quote unquote normie friends. Oh yeah. Uh, how do you describe what you do to them? And what's the reaction when they hear what you do? Um, I, I try not to put too much effort into describing <laughs> it. I'll just show them. Okay. And the reaction is usually general disbelief because I'm <laughs> as most vocalists, metal vocalists are, I'm pretty quiet dude outside of, of, outside of that, you know, like pretty introverted and, uh, not real chatty. And so it, it definitely surprises people. But, um, I think if they really think about it, they're like, oh, you know what? Yeah, this makes sense. This has always been there beneath the surface. If we really think about who John is and, and the kind of things that he gets into. So, uh, yeah, the initial surprise is always funny to watch. Um, uh, but yeah, I definitely, um, I'm not really eloquent when I'm trying to like, pitch them on it. I just let the, let the proof be in the pudding. I'll show them what I do and see how they react. 
So, uh, you know, we, we've all been trying to stay uh, at least a semblance of sane during this time. Um, aside from, you know, focusing on band stuff and, and probably chatting with your, your band and stuff and figuring out the rollout for the album, what's kept you sane or, or at least kept you busy? Oh, lots of lots of video games for sure, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning part of the pandemic. Uh, my wife and I uh, maybe logged collectively like 500 hours on Animal Crossing for sure, okay, yeah. which was, uh, uh, you know, a great way to kill time. And um, we actually had our first kid. He's, Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, he's uh, just over five months old. So awesome. that's obviously taken up a lot of my time and attention. But um, I mean, if I had to juggle having a newborn against uh you know an album release cycle there wouldn't be a better time to do it than right now because we can't tour so in that way the timing worked out were you oh you got a dog back there yes he decided to invite himself in nice well (laughs) welcome to the interview bud um cool man well you know i'm not going to take up your whole night or anything but i am uh curious about a couple things so you're wearing a job for a cowboy t-shirt yeah, um, I'm actually not wearing a metal. T- the one time I'm not wearing a T-shirt with any metal <laughs> on it. But uh, I'm curious. So, you know, I, I like to ask sometimes, like, what was your fa- first album? Stuff like that. But since you're wearing a metal T-shirt, what was the first metal T-shirt you ever purchased uh, as a kid or growing up or, you know, as a show goer? What was your first metal T-shirt? Man, that is a really good question. Or band T-shirt doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be metal. You said you grew up more as like a punk kid. So what was your first band T-shirt? I think my first band t-shirt that was actually a hoodie and it was um, there's punk band uh, based out of Pennsylvania uh, called the virus. Yeah. They were on punk core records. I think punk band. Yeah. With like, uh, yeah. Like uh, leftover crack kind of bands and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. That was probably my first like a conscious purchase of a, of like a, of a band shirt. I would, if I had to guess, um, uh, and I love that thing and wore it until it fell to pieces, of course, and never washed it naturally being a crusty punk kid. Yep. It was really gross. A lot of safety pins on it. Probably. Oh yeah. It was held together with spit and dreams and, and whatever other grime I collected at the various yep. shows that I attended. But, um, you're metal. immune to COVID because you had that hoodie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never mind the vaccine. The hoodie yeah. inoculated me from all forms of uh, foreign invasion. It was exactly. It was a, its own living organism. But yes, a, that was probably the first article of, of uh, wearable merch I, I really like saved up to get. And uh, metal, I wish I could remember what the first metal shirt I got was. I want to say, um, it, uh, so I got into metal right around, I'd say probably 2007, 2008, like seriously. And if you recall, 2007, was it 2007? Anyway, the year that Necrophagist headlined Summer Slaughter. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was, and it was Suffocation, Necrophagist. Yep. That was a good year. Yep. And so I think that was the first show that I really, like, really, really made a concerted effort to attend as, like, a metal fan. And I want to say, I don't know if it was exactly my first one, but I definitely did buy a Necrophagist Stab Wound t-shirt at that nice. show. And that's got to be in in the first five I would say. And so I'm going to give that one credit for being the first one. It was my favorite shirt, but again, fell to pieces because I wore it all the time. 
when do you think we'll get another necrophagus album you think it'll be 24 you think the world will be around by the time you know uh we'll we'll definitely be like a uh interplanetary species by the time we get another necrophagist album and maybe that's for the best it's fitting i mean fitting yeah. for the sound you know soundtrack so absolutely it the the brutal soundtrack to uh the the crushing solitude of outer space will be muhammad's third album absolutely. and I, I mean as much as i want it to happen i gotta respect the guy he he created two of the most iconic albums the genre has ever known or may ever know and then just dipped out yeah. at the peak of it and was like you know what i, I did my i did my duties i'm, I'm what out. more else can i do yeah yeah i mean i just you got to give it to him respect he dropped those on everyone and was like all right guys you can tinker with these and rip them off for the next 15 years and yep. then i'll come back yep <laughs> I'll see which one of you fools will write our third album. Exactly. That's what he was waiting for. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to shop this out. I'm going to crowdsource the third necrophagist album. I'll let a generation of kids like cut their teeth on it and then they can come write it for me. I like it. That's <laughs> funny. All right, man. Well, uh, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, do you guys have any plans? Uh, you know, shows are kind of opening up and it's kind of like tentative. Uh, I know because you guys are in di different, you know, areas of the world, it might be a little difficult. Do you guys have any plans for shows coming up? Yeah, unfortunately, nothing imminent. And mm -hmm. it is, uh, you know, partially because of the varying levels of uh, restrictions between here and Iceland, but also the difficulty of, with travel. Any yeah. any tour for us uh, is an international tour, basically. Yep. You know, they, they're on an, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're in, on an island in the middle of the North Atlantic. So it's either, you know. Uh, no local shows. No, none, basically. <laughs> And so we'll, uh, uh, we're hoping, we're very hopeful that by summer next year, we can get some stuff put together, but yeah, nothing on the books right now. All right, man. Well, uh, how can we support you guys right now? What's, uh, the best way to support you guys? So we've got, uh, we're on Bandcamp. We're on all of your major streaming platforms, uh, the season, of mist web store, North American or European. Um, I think we're, we had a limited run of vinyls, which I think may have all been sold out. Thank you guys very much. Um, but there's also C CDs still in stock and, and digital copies are available for purchase. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you just, I think they, uh, season, the mist is streaming the whole album on their YouTube channel. If you want to, you know, kind of dip your toes in and see what it's all about by all means, as long as you're listening to it, I'm happy. So, uh, yeah, dive in. Awesome, man. One final question. We ask everyone we talk to and the, the answer is sent to range. So uh, curious, curious uh, if you could pick a scar on your body and show us if you can and tell us the story of how you got the scar. A scar. Hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty. I play it pretty safe. I don't know that I have a lot of battle scars. OK, but um, uh, here, here's what I'll do in place of a scar. I'll show you my first tattoo. Okay, sounds and good. And it's uh I got it on my 18th birthday and it was the only thing I could think to do. And it's this. I don't know if you can see with the light, but it's the little eyeballs on my knuckle there to make a Oh, stupid I see it. Face. Oh my god. It reminds and, me of Syphil and Ollie from MTV, dude. Yep, yep. That's amazing. So that's yeah, that's my uh that's my dumb uh we'll call it a scar. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Nice, man. All right, dude. Well, any final words before we let you go? Um, just thank you very much for your time. Thank everyone 
who's been listening to the album and, sh- and sharing the love and telling your friends about it, please continue to do so. Um, and we will be eventually uh, out to your city. We hope, you know, sooner than later playing in front of you all and, uh, and reveling in, uh, in uh, a world with live music again. And so we very much look forward to it. And thank you for all your support. Thank you, John from Ophidian Eye. Uh, check out the new album, Desolate, on Season of Mist. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.